Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of BizBytes. And uh, I've got a, a great guest with me today, and I'm going to let him introduce himself as we'd like to do with our guests. So. Mark, if you want to introduce yourself to the audience. Well, thank you, Anthony, and I hope I am a great guest. Uh, my name is Mark McPherson, and I'm in the business of helping people and organisations have staff who work well together. I'm in the business of helping them master tough conversations, and I'm in the business of helping them deal with difficult people. And those three sort of go together to make a great workplace. They most definitely do. I think... Um... Uh, understanding people is something that I've been very big on. Uh, and I think in a day and age where uh, technology is pushing us in lots of directions and people are making lots of different decisions around where they live and uh, and how they turn up to work, you know, whether it's uh, on, a, on a daily basis or a couple of times a week and the rest of the time from home, all of these things play into it. So it, it, it's a really important area. Look, it most certainly is. And you did say about understanding people. And uh, I am someone who's uh, started off with a, a science degree in geology and geomorphology, but I did my later did some work in, in psychology study and I did postgraduate study in psychology and trying to understand people will drive you crazy because, <laughs> because it's, it's almost impossible to be done why people do this or why people do that. So I'm just going to pick up on one thing there and that say that in my line of work I try and get people not to worry about why because people often say to me but why why can't they tidy up after themselves well I, I don't know why but what your job is as a new supervisor manager or leader is to help them tidy up because there are work colleagues who need to be catered for and looked after and leaving the place in a mess and someone the other day said why can't people unload the dishwasher and put things away well i'm not sure why but one of the reasons is there was no no standards of behavior and no no signage about that said so now that might sound basic but sometimes people really don't know what to do and i it's want to it. give them i want to give them the benefit of the doubt that's what i'm saying yeah, and it's a really interesting one, even that's that simple example, because um, when you sometimes you need to give permission to do it, and I know that seems that seems crazy, but when you come into a new environment, and it's things are being done in a particular way, you, you're not always sure about where you fit in. So you you know you don't even something as simple as helping a team by emptying the dishwasher, it's like, well, how does that normally work? And even though rosters may seem like really dull and boring and things that you, you don't really want to have, but sometimes they're really necessary to get people into the swing of knowing where they should fit in. Well, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head because someone said to me a while ago, well, it doesn't matter because now people are working from home. Well, here's the thing. One day a week, they don't work from home. <laughs> they actually come to the office. And that's where some people seem to cause chaos. Uh, someone the other day said to me, it is about the dishwasher, funnily enough. Why does someone always leave their coffee cup on the sink when clearly it should be put back into the dishwasher to be cleaned? And they were quite angry about it. But I did say, well, has anyone ever told them what to do? Now, it may well be that they're lazy. That's not 
discount that. Mm. But another part of that is, have you ever sat down and said, how do we work together? What are the rules here? You find the photocopy as jammed. Do you just walk off or do you, is there someone you're supposed to tell? <laughs> do we still use photocopies these days? <laughs> yeah, probably no, not as much as we used to. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought. Uh, and it's uh, by the way, I have to say in relation to the dishwasher, and we want to move on from there. But um, is that it seems to be at home that my uh, name is permanently against that roster on a daily basis. I don't know what happens there. Doesn't matter which name I attach to it. It's that Dad, you're doing it. Oh, apparently so. Um, so. Wanted to, uh, you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You have had an amazing background. Um, this, what you're doing now, is not just, um, you know, is a, a culmination of a lot of things that you've done over the years. So take me back on the journey, and and I like to ask people this and saying, well, you know, around the school university days, what was the vision at that point? What was the what was the starting point? <laughs> I don't know if I had a vision when I was at university, but I'll tell you one thing. When I was at university, I worked as a guide at Janolan Caves. Wow. And and that was one of my first experiences of dealing with people. And once you collect someone's tickets and you're in a cave, you are in charge. You are the leader. People are looking towards you. Now, I didn't really think about it then. I was just a, a young bloke having a, a good time. And even before that, I was actually a telegram boy when I was at school. So after school, I used to, do people, do people know what a telegram is? <laughs> we, but, still but read, I, we still read some at where I was taught by, by the, the postmaster, as they were called then, postmaster, amazing, how to deliver a good news telegram and how to deliver a, a bad news telegram. And of course, as a young kid, I didn't really care, but it was only later I realize yes your hands are different your face is different when you're delivering those two so when I became a teacher I did my diploma of education in 76 and I was a teacher for a while I don't think I particularly looked to the future but the old saying no one really knows what good management and leadership is until you don't have it <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's very easy in positions as a teacher it's very easy to condemn or criticise those above. Oh, they're not doing it right. Well, it's only when you're in those positions do you realise it's maybe a little bit harder than, than you think. But I worked in the area of health education and alcohol education uh, with the National Campaign Against Drug Abuse. And this is where a lot of my work, what I presently do now, started because I was helping young people say no to a drunk driver. How do you say to your good friend who is your friend, no, I'm not hopping into a car with you? This is a very big ask. And us as adults were telling them, oh, just do it. You know, it's foolish. It's silly. Here's the statistics. Well, when you drive, and I'll, I hope people know the suburbs of Sydney, but when you get a lift from uh, Chatswood down to Cronulla for a party and you're going to say to your friend, no, I'm not getting a lift home with you. Well, <laughs> how else do you get home? So there comes the issue of planning for, for these possible events. So there's a history there of me working in areas where it's always about, always about helping people deal with other people. And dealing with difficult people is something I help people with, but sometimes... The word difficult is a bit harsh sometimes. Sometimes mm. they're just people who are a bit, I, I call them sloppy. 
people yep. just don't think what they're saying. They they shoot their mouth off before they've really thought about what they're going to say. And I worked in the area of health promotion in HIV AIDS and hepatitis C for some time, everything from needle and syringe programs uh, to infection control in hospitals. And once again, here's this theme of having to tell people things. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to walk home. I'm not going to use a needle that you've given me. Mm. I'm going to use a cleaner. That's dangerous. Uh, lots of issues like that have always come up for, for me. And my last employment was with the New South Wales Police. Now, I was not a police officer, but I did work in, in police with uh, uniformed officers, uh, sworn officers. And I noticed how some of them were just so brilliant, Anthony, and mm. going into a hotel and dealing with drunk people and other officers weren't. What what were they doing? What did they do with their face, their expression, their hands? How did they move their body to get some drunk people and sometimes some rather obnoxious people to comply? So I found, I found, that's where I'm, I'm coming from. I found this stuff absolutely fascinating. And I, 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 I love sense. that you're dealing with what's in front of you really at the moment. And I think that's the, you know, in all of those environments, even as a, you know, t teaching and all of those things, it's it's like dealing in the now and what's, but what's interesting as well and consistent with, with all of those different areas that you've worked in is coping with sort of a peer pressure and whether those peers are, you know, your kids and, and drunk driving and things or right through to being in a, in a workforce situation, when you're amongst your peers, there's a pressure there and we, we don't often realise it and you find yourself in situations where you're you're drifting along and they're not always, you know, horrible situations getting into a car with a, with someone who's potentially drunk, which nobody should ever do. But, the you know, it could be that the peer environment is pushing in a particular direction. And, I, and I've seen it firsthand how that can, one little thing can turn into a big thing and have a big negative impact over a period of time. And uh, it's really difficult at times to recognise that and cut it off early. You're right. And there's lots of strategies you can use. And I often see in webinars, articles or books, or whatever, this is how you should deal with this particular type of person. And I, I'll talk to you sometime about my view about labelling people as this type or, or that type. Mm. It's never one strategy fits all. No. Every circumstance is, is a little bit different. And people often say, how would you deal with someone who does such and such? Well, my answer is it depends. It depends about your relationship to them, how much you value that relationship. And the, where, the area I work in works whether you're talking about a workplace, a community organisation or the home. But believe me, the strategies you might use as an employer to a, a, a member of staff who is rude is very different to the way you might deal with your teenage son. They might both have done the wrong thing, mm. but the way you deal with them is very, very, very differently. And I think this is something that people need to to understand, that that one strategy doesn't fit all, but there are strategies you can use in both both circumstances. I'm not sure if that particularly answered your your question. No, no, and, and and I think it's also it's also context for people. I think is also important because you're never completely sure what's 
what's going on for someone. Uh, it's a, it's it's a bit like um, you know you can be at home and and uh, getting angry with the kids about something. Oh, why are you making a mess? Why are you doing what? All of those things that as parents happen, right? And then someone, not, you know, one of your friends knocks on the door and pops in and said, oh, I was just in the area want to have a, you know, have a cup of coffee. And all of a sudden, everything that was going on in the house is just any arguments that were being had is just, oh, no, we're all perfectly, we're all fine here. Everything is good. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, and it's often, um, and, and I think we, we live in a world where context is often lost because, you think about what people post on social media and I'm talking about personalized post you get, you know, the, the typical one is use a similar example is here's a vacation snap. Here's me with my, you know, the wife and the kids and the dog and we're all smiling. Everyone looks happy. What you don't know is that 30 seconds before everyone's yelling at the dog because he'd been running off two seconds after the video is finished the kids are having a tantrum and they're running off in different directions and I want to go home and this, whatever else is going. And so you have no idea what's happening. And I think that um, that's often a really, it's, it's really difficult for a lot of people to understand that you particularly and sort of a long winded way of saying, well, we've got this remote workers that are happening now. We've got people in lots of different decisions you don't know what's going on. You have even a little less of an idea what's going on. So unless you put systems in place to both find out, um, manage the way workers show up, then you're going to be really suffering the consequences of whatever's going on. Oh, ab- absolutely. And that one about uh, someone knocking on the door when you, after you've had a fight with the kids is a, is, is terrific. Uh Look, a, a, a few things. One of those is I'm amazed in people's homes. And when I talk at a conference or wherever, the parents in the room get this. I go to your house and on the refrigerator has got a whole pile of rules for the kids <laughs> and gold stars when they've done the right thing. Uh, uh, bedtime is at 8 p.m. or whatever time it is. That means you will have your pyjamas on. You will have brushed your teeth and whatever, <laughs> not, not get up from television and half an hour later wander off. So in the workplace, we tend to not have these signs. Mm. And someone did say to me, well, it should be common sense. Well, the sheer fact that you're talking to me about the fact that people can't tidy up after themselves, leave the meeting room in a mess and there's still sandwiches there from yesterday, et cetera, shows me that common sense isn't so so uh, common. Isn't common. But I, but I put a, a, a post on LinkedIn a while ago and it was a real one. And it actually said, it was a sign above the microwave on the wall that said, I am not your mother. We all get what that means. It means someone is annoyed the fact that they are continually tidying up after you and forget about the sexist language or anything else. We get the point. Yep. So that was a rude sign. I think it's rude. It, yes. It's, it's not, and, and, but more importantly, it's not going to do any good because good people look at it and go, oh no, three months ago I left, I put a soup in there, it spilt over, I, might, I may not have cleaned it up properly. But the people who have done these <laughs> naughty things, they say, well, no one's spoken to me about it. Mm. So that they just wander off. So some sort of rules and regulations are important and most of them are simply understood, but some of them are not. Yep. And they need, to, so you go into a men's toilet and uh, 
I don't know what goes on in the women's toilets, but a men's toilet and says, men, uh, gentlemen, please wash your hands after you've been to the toilet. <laughs> you really need to have a science. Yep. Uh, it's, well, apparently, apparently, apparently someone thought the answer was yes. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it, it's, and, it's, and it's really interesting because um, in, in, a, in a world where we're dealing with so much change, uh, those things which would have appeared to have been common sense to many of us, you just don't know what people's upbringing is. I would have hoped the sign in the bathrooms is not necessary, but the, <laughs> but but a lot of other things are, are very uh, you know very much about the individual. And I, and I think I wanted to touch on that as well with you, I mean, because obviously over such a uh, a, a career that's touched on so many different areas. You, how how did you cope with dealing with lots of different individuals and, and having to do deal with them, you know, on, on a regular basis in coping in different situations, whether it was teaching, drug and alcohol, et cetera? Well, the answer is you you cope by knowing your your material, by working hard and getting support. But I do want to say that I've made plenty of mistakes. And maybe that's one reason why I got into this area to to help the world not make my, my mistakes. I look back and I, I say to myself, I should have been tougher on that person. I think, you know, I'll give you a good example. I reckon there was someone I, I supervised once who did spent more time on doing their masters uh, behind the scenes than they did actually doing the work they were supposed to be, be doing. It's very hard to work these things out and uh, was I paranoid or or whatever? If, if I guess if they're doing the work, the total work, it doesn't really matter. So you, you you coped by one important thing or two important things. One, always dealing with facts. And I talk about this a lot and I'm surprised at how many people at the end of a workshop or the end of, say, 11 a.m. will say, Yes, yes, we get it. But four o'clock in the afternoon when we do our little role plays and behavior rehearsals, they don't really get it. Mm. And and facts, that's the one thing I learned. Yes, the person was belligerent. Yes, the person was a bully. Yes, the person was disrespectful. Yes, the person was sexist. That's not a debate. We have these labels we put on things. But the obvious question is always, what did they really do? Yes. And, and if you're in a disciplinary meeting and I've worked for a union defending people and I've been on the other side where I've actually taken people to disciplinary meetings and I, I know how stressful these things are. But the facts are always important. At 11 a.m. in the meeting room, John picked up the stapler and threw it at Carol. And someone a while ago said to me, who's a CEO of an organisation, said, oh, you want me to be really boring? And I said, well, you can call it that. But I just got it straight down the line. So one way in which I coped was I learned very quickly, deal with the facts. The second thing I think I learned, Anthony, was everyone is different. What mm. you can say to one member of staff, you can't say to another. Yes. I said to a member of staff one time, every time such and such gets up to speak, you roll your eyes and yesterday you did this. That indicated to me you thought they were boring. They were shocked. I think they were honestly didn't realise that's what they were doing. They were shocked. Hmm. And yep. it's so apologetic. And the conversation was quick and easy. They were embarrassed and things changed. I've dealt with other people where this doesn't wash. <laughs> yeah. But they are boring. 
Yeah, that's not a debate. <laughs> the debate is, <laughs> is it appropriate in the workplace to be rolling yeah. your eyes at, at a guest presenter? <laughs> how, how, you sh- how you show up, I think, is such an important idea and um, it's amazing how often those rules get pushed to the side. I, I, I know a particular environment where, you know, every week there's someone that gets up and speaks and there are particular people that have a, a built-in response much similar to what you just suggested. You know, I know one person that will, and it, it doesn't really matter who it is that's speaking. That's right, time to have a sleep. Um, and, uh, and that's, a, and the converse of that is, um, someone was commenting to me the other day, there's a particular child that's there that knows that that's their time to have a rest and have a sleep, which is actually really a good thing because the content is not really geared at them. And so there's nothing wrong with the content, but it's really going to go over their head. So it's a really great time for them to not make a noise and have a sleep. So it really, you've got to show up in the right way, depending on, on uh, on where you are I, I just love the the diversity of what you've had in terms of a background and how you're bringing that all together and focusing it for people um it, it's it, it it you know it's a, this is a question that i i like to ask in in the podcast in in lots of different ways but wanted to to say it to you in this way there are going to be and you've described a couple of individual moments but I'm interested in particularly businesses or individuals that you're working with. What's the bigger heart moment for them that you wish that these people would have realized they were going to have that heart moment before they signed up? So more people are going to come to you. Is, it, is, 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 there, is there a particular kind of thing that happens that you notice? Gee, Willikers, I don't think there is one particular thing. And I wish I had an answer for you. I wish I was able to say, I've got it. Mm-hmm. Um no, because every person really is different. I've got someone I'm, I'm helping right now who said, I've tried all that and it didn't work. Mm. I've come to you to see if you've got anything for me. So we go through what they've done and everything they did was nothing I would have advised them to do. I wouldn't have sent that long email if I was you. I would have cut it down to three words. Uh when you told them that their their work was unsatisfactory and uh, you walked off, well, you didn't tell them to do anything. <laughs> you just told them. So they're going, oh, yeah. And then they go away and say to their friends, oh, I don't know what she was on about. She told me my work was unsatisfactory. So, so my experience is people try things and they try their best because they, they think it's the best. But especially people who are new to management. I deal with people who are often new managers, new leaders, new supervisors, and no one's really taught them. They were excellent at their job. They were an excellent year 12 biology teacher, but now suddenly they're in charge of 21 other science teachers, and they've not been particularly well prepared for it. So I don't think I have one particular thing. I did mention the the facts, but for all of my work, I tend to work in three steps. Just I'll just do with dealing with difficult people for you. Here's three things. Number one, people need to know what the violation is. Because if, if there's no actual violation of a standard of behavior, a rule, or whatever it happens to be, then it is possible you just don't like them. Yep. 
the second thing is you need to tailor the strategies I have to your particular needs because the way I speak isn't the way you speak. So everything is slightly different. You might want to scold someone. That's not an expression I would normally use <laughs> for coming late to work. But you might use the same technique for someone who is sworn at a staff meeting. You might use the same technique who someone who does something else. So you need to tailor these to the particular situation and you need to personalize them. My culture is not your culture. And I use that in a very broad term. The way I might say to use a strategy, you say, I don't speak like that. Well, that that's fine. I'm not suggesting you should put on a new voice. So there's not necessarily one one thing except maybe my one thing is follow the method. There is a method to, to these things. And I'll, I'll be bold enough to say when it comes to tough conversations, one of the things is, do you really need to have it? Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to. Let, sorry, Anthony. I don't want to let people off the hook by saying, "Oh, I don't really have to have it." No, sometimes it's your job to to say, as a parent, as a friend, as the chairperson of a meeting, or or the employee, it's your your job. But at the same time, some things you can let go. Yeah, the trick is working out what to let go. I think we, we we're often thrust into situations, and more and more people find themselves, you know, as you mentioned, thrust into a leadership position, but they're not really got the skills as far as the people management to be able to handle that the right way. And I think it's a, it's an area that is going to have more and more focus. And you talk about the different ways of people expressing themselves as well. It's why I'm a, a big believer in authentic content being produced by people because everyone's story is different. And at the end of the day, the biggest differentiator in businesses is the people. And if you can get on top of people and you can tell the stories, not just internally, but externally, that's what's going to help endear you to more and more people. And it's also what's can work against you, as we talked about. You know, if those if those stories get vested into, you know, not do it, dealing with a dishwasher and uh, and and not saying things in the right way or throwing staplers, which I hope nobody's doing, um, <laughs> then and understand at least if you're going to throw a stapler, I understand why you did it wrong and you should be out the door straight away. But the the it's it's those things which are really important and I think are becoming more critical. Uh, in in a world that's filled with technology because the difference is always going to be the people. You're, you're right. And no matter where we go with AI or anything else, somewhere along the line, you need to actually speak to people. Yep. You need to interact with people, communicate with them and work with that. And I say in this modern age, despite Zoom and working from home and everything else, we are actually communicating more and more with more and more people in more and more different ways. This conversation is actually on a screen. I can see you. This is amazing stuff. Whereas once we may not have done it at all because it's too hard to organize. Yep. So we're doing it more and more. So these relationships are important. And when people know what to say, they know how to say it, they know what to look like and do with their hands when they're say saying it, builds confidence. So talked before about a, a someone who's a new to being a supervisor and and uh, i'll call her julie because i called her that in a blog recently hmm. uh yes she's now she was a, a a great person on the floor of a sports club and has become the floor supervisor 
and now in charge of quite a lot of people. And like she said, it's really hard to tell them that they haven't done their job properly because they're the ones I play sport with on a Wednesday night. How can you tell your mates, look, you're being a bit basically This is not what I would tell anyone to say, but hey, hey, gang, you're being a bit slack. There's people over there waiting to be served and you're gas bagging and looking on your phone at Instagram. Come on. Now, there are ways of saying that, but she was quite scared because, as she said, but they won't like me. Well, that's a risk I'm sorry you sometimes have to take. Sorry, sometimes your children will look at you and say, I hate you. <laughs> Hopefully they yes. don't mean it. But I'm yeah. sorry, sometimes you have to step up to the plate and you have to do what the job demands as parent, chairperson, uh, manager, supervisor or leader. But those relationships are important. But sometimes you have to say what has to be said. Absolutely. And speaking of things that have to be said, um, we have to wrap it up because otherwise you and I will be talking for another hour or two. And uh, as fascinating as it is, and 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 I wanted to thank you so much for for coming on the program, but also you know sharing the journey. I, I love the amazing journey that you've been on, and so many insights to uh, to have. And and as we do with every episode of the podcast, we'll make sure that there are some. Uh, ways that people can get in touch with you when they check up the sh- check out the show notes. And uh, we look forward to that. And, and again, thank you, Mark, for being part of the BizBytes program. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. And I hope you will join us again for another episode coming soon. Thank you very much for having me. You're, you make it very, very easy. Thank you. BizBytes is brought to you by Com Together for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand engage audiences on multiple platforms go to comtogether.com.au follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation